you are so consistently a source of things that mess with my head. I would defy anybody to teach someone design in two weeks. I evolve everything all the time. So someone said to me, my best PDC will be the one that I do just before I die. So I come over to the table and three people at the table go, we loved your podcast. You know, you're trying not to sound pretentious and you say, oh, really, which one? (laughs) (laughs) Greetings, everybody. Welcome on back to the Making Permaculture Stronger Pass. Bugger. Greetings, everybody. Welcome on back to the Making Permaculture Stronger podcast. As many of you know, my name is Dan Palmer, and I'm excited to bring you episode 24 today, which is my second conversation with my friend and colleague, Meg McGowan. Before I tell you more about the episode, I'll give you a bit of a general update. It's been a busy time, got lots of interesting projects on the go at the moment, ranging from massive, abundant rooftop gardens in the Melbourne inner suburbs to water harvesting earthworks design on a rural block out in the countryside i've started a new website and podcast don't worry i'm going to keep this one going for the foreseeable future but it's going to have a friend now a brother or sister or an androgynous sibling called designingforlife.com which is a bit exciting a play it's a bit of an umbrella a space where i bring together everything i'm passionate about and and i see it and making permaculture stronger as i said as uh, complementary endeavors check it out if you're interested designingforlife.com um i guess i I just see see how i go maybe i end up doing a podcast every two weeks you know alternating on the two but I'll, i'll figure it out it's it's feeling good i'm listening to what's going on in my heart, in the world, in my work, and, uh, and acting accordingly. So uh, no one can begrudge me that, right? Thank you very much to the most recent patrons, people that have signed up at patreon.com slash makingpermaculturestronger. I am enormously grateful for your support, and every little bit makes a real difference. We actually had the first ever uh, online gathering of people in the $10 plus a month tier, and that was fantastic to kick off a, uh, a conversation looking at frameworks and looking at ways we can support each other to become better permaculture designers. I actually want to add here that I don't want anyone who might not currently be able to afford contributing 10 bucks a month to this project to be excluded as a result of that. So if you, you know, you honestly can't afford that, then send me an email and we'll find a way to get you in the mix. You know, if you're really passionate and genuinely uh, excited and interested to be part of these emerging conversations and, um, and you can see them bringing value to the quality of your work and hence the landscapes and people and whatever else that you work with. Get in touch, let's figure it out. I should explain a little bit about this episode. So Carol Sanford is largely to blame for the way it played out. I was trying to get my head around what she calls essence thinking and she suggested I participate in her book project. It's a book that's going to come out I think early 2020. I believe it's going to be called The Regenerative Life and as part of that she uh, had people listen to some of her ideas and then use them in different contexts and these what she calls these um, different um, nodal roles and the role that I was being a guinea pig for was called the regenerative uh, media content creator role and she presented some frameworks and some stuff and, and out of that I tried to apply the the essence thinking about this role that I was picking up from Carol to this very podcast you're about to listen to. And one way I did that was for the for the first time before the chat, I developed the very beginnings, the inklings of an ordering framework around helping 
me and hopefully others think about different ways that we can engage with others using permaculture design and also the solution space or the the universe of possible different places we can travel on our hopefully ever deepening journeys into permaculture design practice. Maybe I'll leave that there. Thanks, Carol, for the disruptive stimulation and the exciting new territory that I personally experienced traveling into in this this podcast. I'll um, I'll jump in there with Meg right now. Hope you enjoy, and I'll check in with you again at the end, as I always do. Okay, well, Meg McGowan, great to be kicking off our second conversation for the podcast. Hi, Dan. Thank you for having me again. Oh, it's a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this for a few reasons. One is that I know from all the lovely comments you've been making on the blog that you've been following along in some of the recent conversations with Carol and Joel and Bill, you know, these regenesis and living systems thinking folk, as well as the most recent one with Yasha. And for me, it's been a quite a ride. You know, a lot of it's really challenged me and expanded horizons and had me re-look at a lot, a lot of stuff I do in my understandings. And I thought, oh, Meg would be a great person to kind of debrief a bit, you know. So if you can be a bit like a therapist today, that would be sure. Great. I did actually write a book on acceptance commitment therapy, so. <laughs> oh, perfect. All right. Oh, well, so that's one outcome is that I get some quality um, therapeutic attention. Um, I would also love, I'd be curious to hear both about your recent adventures or since our last chat with working in the space and thinking about the stuff and trying things out as well as what you've made of all this recent you know it's felt like quite a distinct um, fresh direction for making permaculture stronger it's felt a bit like I don't know gold mining or, or so you know just trying to find I feel like I found a pretty rich seam and I'm just trying to track it down to its source and, and, and figure it out so that'd be good I'll just let you know before we start one thing I'm playing around with for the first time I'll let you know is that I've realized, even though this is like episode 24 or something, I've realized that up to now, I really don't know what the heck I'm doing. Like, I've never looked up any rules on how to do podcasts. I've just been recording conversations and I've never had any, like, any plan, like any structure or questions or anything. And so I thought, well, I'll just do an experiment with a tiny bit of a structure. And if we cover some of that stuff first, the therapy, where you're at, how the stuff's been landing for you. And then um, I thought it could be fun to have a bit of a play with a, a framework or a few different layers or ways of approaching working with permaculture design that I know you'll have some really interesting input on. So if we could, sure. you know, save a good chunk of time, maybe half of this or whatever for that, I, I was thinking that'd be a lot of fun and I'd love your input. So I would also like to make the observation that when you say you haven't had a plan, I would say you've been applying soft systems methodology to the way you do a podcast. Okay. And you've been doing that really effectively, which is where you start with a very broad idea of where you're going and you ask a question and then you get a response to that question and that starts to refine the environment in which you're having that conversation and, and you're spiralling inwards on, I suppose, uh, what Carol would call the essence of that conversation through that process. So I think there's a tendency to assume that a, that a structured linear hard systems plan is your only option um, but I'd say you're a very good uh, soft systems designer and that shows in the way you conduct a podcast. Oh thanks for saying that Meg yeah I mean that's what I've been telling myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just thought well I might as well you know I just want to try a few different things and just and see how it lands for people. Um, well, that's my observation Dan I think I, I think the challenge with soft systems is you you actually have to suspend that disbelief and you have to just trust. 
mm. that this process will work. It's like when um, Roe Morrow talks about only talking about 30% of the time when you teach. That's actually terrifying the first few times you do it because you're worried nobody's going to say anything. <laughs> you're just going to be left with no content. And I think it's, it's an act of bravery to do a podcast without having a serious list of questions prepared. But it's also a much better way to go because... Of course, things are going, you're actually responding to what people are saying. Mm -hmm. You're not just following a script, which is what, um, you know, baby interviewers do. They go in with questions and they miss all these opportunities because they're sticking to their script. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I just skipped being a baby. I went straight to... (laughs) Just went straight to advanced interviewing. I mean, I have been conscious that all the stuff I'm on about and been exploring around generative transformation and, and not having too much of a plan, of course, I've been conscious of that. Anyway, good to experiment. Why don't we start with you filling us in on what's alive for you at the moment what some of your recent adventures and thoughts and 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 maybe that can segue into what you've been making of this latest round of stuff on making permaculture stronger and then we can move from there to exploring this framework i I have in mind together oh so we've we've recently finished a part-time pdc and then very recently as in last weekend we finished we do a two-day permaculture fundamentals course which is then the that's the prerequisite to do the next part-time pdc and we do all of those on a what we call um, a perma share basis so people don't pay us money we operate in the alternative economy and for every hour of um, learning people give us an hour of labor so we've had a really lovely couple of weekends getting lots of mulching and soft edges dug and um, all kinds of great stuff happening around the garden. But the really great thing about that, of course, is, you know, you ha- have a day of teaching and all these people get to know each other and then they go out into the garden and they all um, share a day of working together and they always say, oh, we learn as much in the garden from working in the garden as we did from from the teaching because... It's a property that's been managed using permaculture for over 23 years. So they're seeing all the things we're talking about. So that's been just huge fun. And it, it's been a case of uh, stacking functions. We're getting, everybody's getting a lot more out of it than we thought. We all knew we'd learn about permaculture and that people would hopefully be inspired to go and try a bit. But what we're seeing is this kind of exponential thing happen where because we're only teaching people who live locally, they've then formed these ongoing relationships. So this Wednesday, the PDC group are now actually all going around to each other's homes to help them implement the plans and they're doing like work days where everybody gets together and and helps out. It's reinforcing their learning because, of course, they've all seen each other's plans as part of the PDC. So it's been really exciting. We've just had a great time. Mm, that is exciting. It's wonderful. And we'll, we'll certainly be coming back to that later in the chat. Well, that's great. What else has been happening? The usual thing, which is, of course, I evolve everything all the time. So someone said to me, my best PDC will be the one that I do just before I die, because I'm going to keep improving them. <laughs> improving them. And I'm always looking for a bit of and part of the reason I listen in particular to your podcast is that you are so consistently a source of things that mess with my head and ruffle feathers and and you know it's it's like I've built this little card tower and here comes Dan Palmer and he's just going to go whoosh and the card tower's all going to go everywhere and then I'm going to go okay that was not such a great design after all so I better start again um so yeah it's it's been really interesting I have done a fair bit of study in the systems thinking realm 
during my life as a professional police officer. And so I'm really excited when you start heading off into systems thinking because systems thinking to me is the foundation upon which permaculture was built. And both David and Bill reference systems thinking on a fairly regular basis and make direct mention of it being an influence in permaculture. So that's not a long bow I'm drawing, that's, that's from the source. I think there are some things that got lost in translation from systems thinking to permaculture because permaculture had a very strong focus on developing a replacement to monoculture farming and that was its basis. And so there were, there were elements of systems thinking that weren't necessarily prominent in that context. But now that the context of permaculture has broadened and we've got people talking about social permaculture and applying it in businesses and in urban settings and to deal with cities or towns, a lot of the material that perhaps got deliberately excluded in the early days now needs to be resurrected and brought back into permaculture. So I'm doing a happy dance when you go, oh, look, I've found this world leader in systems thinking and aren't they interesting people? Well, so far out. Talking about, you feel like sometimes I'm ruffling your feathers. That chat with Carol was a very feather ruffling experience. <laughs> I think she's a professional plucker, actually. <laughs> I think that's her, that's her shtick, is to go in and, totally. and actually pull feathers out and dance about on them and, and uh, pro- deliberately provocative. And I don't think it's a style I could practice. I think the, the pushback. Um, you'd have to be a pretty strong person to handle the kind of pushback she must deal with. But I certainly, I certainly appreciated the extent to which she was triggering and intentionally triggering. And that as a technique, even as a technique, was very interesting to put yourself in a position where you are saying something. It's a bit like um, a lot of Edward de Bono's work where Edward de Bono says you should have a word or a phrase that then allows you to say something that is totally offensive or outrageous or or ridiculous just so that people understand that you're uh, throwing the idea around you don't necessarily mean it so in teaching I refer to that as a thought experiment I'll say to people this is a thought experiment so I do one where I say uh, imagine we all woke up this morning and the boundary of this property is the only habitable place left on the planet and we're it and we then run an exercise in terms of, well, what do, we, what do we do? First, we grieve, but now what do we do? How are we going to survive? And, of course, what people do without any prior permaculture knowledge is that they reinvent permaculture. And they say, well, you know, we're going to have to do something about food and, and water and waste and being energy efficient. And, where, you know, and, you, and, of course, you can ask them, about it. so are we just going to let everybody have babies? Oh, no, we'll have to limit our population. We'll have to be really careful about our waste. And then, of course, you just scale the thought exercise up and say, well, how is that any different to the planet? Isn't the planet an island? Aren't all the rules that apply to this microcosm equally true of the planet? So I I get where Carol's coming from about, you know, putting people into a space where there's some creative discomfort going on. I just think her tolerance for the discomfort's much higher than much higher than mine. Yeah, that's that's great. I love that example of the that, that kind of thought experiment. Yeah, that's 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 wonderful. I did think there was some stuff in what Carol was talking about where I thought, look, you're really bogging down in the semantics a bit. So the stuff that she was saying in relation to here are words you can't say, you know, you can't talk about feedback, you can't talk about nature. On one level, I get that that's a technique to get people to think more seriously about 
the language that they're using and I applaud that. I think the risk is if you limit the language that people have, then you limit their capacity to share information with each other. I think it's often more useful to have the discussion around the semantics and to say, well, when we use the word nature, how should we use it and in what context and, and what do we mean when we say it? And rather than saying, no, Dan, you can't say feedback anymore. <laughs> There's no such thing as feedback. Well, clearly there is such a thing as feedback. I thought with Carol it was sometimes just from a, a training point of view, there were times when I thought, is she yanking Dan's chain? Like, is, is, that, is that her genuinely expressing her opinion on something or is she just deliberately messing you up? And I don't know. Like I know, I know. She was, she was, and she was deliberately messing me up. Well, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure. I mean, I've heard her say since that she, she said, I never meet people where they are, ever. I always am just, you know, a step ahead or I'm, I'm just outside of their comfort zone. So they're constantly, I'm, she's striving to constantly make people feel slightly uncomfortable and, and, and not let them just relax into the usual ruts of their, um, their thinking. Well, she's clearly very good at it. She's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, we I, have, I love that. We story. have one of our, one of our training guidelines um, and it actually came from, a, it didn't come from permaculture. It came from um, a, a different discipline that's to do with people communicating more effectively with each other and facilitation in that area and the guideline is approach conflict with curiosity so we say to people in a class setting look if someone says something that triggers you rather than triggering ask yourself gee that's interesting I wonder why that I wonder why that's setting me off so I did find that a very useful guideline for listening to Carol <laughs> it's like uh, she'd say something like, no no and then I'd go right write down what she just said use the 15 second thing and go back and listen again and ask yourself why is that so why have you had that strong reaction but that's what she's going for yeah, yeah totally great. Yeah, I, I've, yeah, I've had the thought about inviting her for another chat and um, I'm, I don't know if I'm ready for that just yet. I mean, it was great, <laughs> it was great obviously, to have the, the the different perspectives on the same body of work from from Joel and Bill. I mean, it'd be good to ask you, you know, out, out of all of that stuff, does any specific aspects or frameworks or ideas um, remain for you or, or was the main thing, you know, that's that kind of disruptive style? Or uh, No, I really, liked, I really liked her idea of um, asking what the story is of a place. And that really stayed with me. You know, what's the story of this place? And I, I think I made a comment on one of, the, one of the more recent ones that, you know, perhaps another way to ask that for us would be what is the, what is the pattern of this place? And that's not just the existing pattern but the pattern through time because when we're looking at patterns, we're always looking at patterns through time. Or what is the nature of this place? So that thing about essence and I, and I get that, you know, when you start using that kind of language, it can be difficult for people to understand. I'm a communicator. I'm always thinking what's the best way for me to communicate an idea to people so that they understand what it is I'm seeking to communicate. And so I think essence is one of those words that, as you saw, when you start talking to other people about it, you oh, essence though, really? Oh, really? Essence? But if you're talking about the nature of a place... Uh, assuming we're not going to take Carol's advice and remove that word from our <laughs> from our language. Not only is that a, a word that I think people can pretty clearly understand what you mean, but you're helping them to understand what we really mean when we talk about nature. You know, what is the nature of this place as opposed to there's nature over there? How do all of these 
complex factors interrelate with each other. That's the that's the pattern. So yeah, she was she was a very interesting person. Mm, yeah, indeed. Yeah, I'm actually doing a little project helping her out with um, her new book, the, the Regenerative Human. All right. Well, what we, what about how about we launch into this this um, this framework? I, I thought you'd be a, a brilliant collaborator. You know, it was only like in the last twenty four hours it kind of emerged for me. I, I know you'll be able to relate to it, and I thought I want to run it past you, and we can bounce it back and forward. And oh. part of where I was coming from is in terms of folk out there doing permaculture design, learning about permaculture design, I want to try and create, create some kind of layers in which, which are all valid and have their place, but kind of some nested layers of how you can work with people in the space of permaculture design. I'll run it past you. So yeah, I guess yeah. maybe I'll go, I'll go through all four and then you can reflect and then we can go back through more slowly. So the first layer that came to mind for me was give people simple stuff which is like really give them strategies and techniques. So say, hey, you should do swales or, you know, a lot, a lot of it's around those swales or a chicken tractor or you should sheep mulch or whatever. You know, give them simple stuff that they can grab onto and do. That's one layer in which you can introduce people or, you know, bring them a certain flavor of permaculture. I mean, it's not really design yet, but that's one thing that happens. It's quite common people people will be able to relate to that. And often when you get first get into permaculture, that's what you find yourself doing. It's like, oh, why don't you do this and this and this? Okay, so that's that's the first layer. And then I thought a layer up from that is to not give them simple stuff like the bits and pieces or some bits and pieces. Give them complex stuff around the connective tissue moving into design. So you can give them bits and bobs, layer one. That sits within a, a more inclusive and broader layer, which is you can give them a design, yeah. which is something we also do that uh, as we get a feel for develop our design process abilities, people will hire us and we will come in and talk to them, look at their land and give them a design, whether it's we're selling it or giving it whatever. Okay, so then, then I thought, well, there's small layers there. And one of them is Beck Lowe, a colleague of mine here in Victoria who teaches on, on PDCs, she said to me once, she doesn't, I don't know if she ever did, but she either stopped or never did professional designs for people. She says, rather than giving someone a design, I, I, what I'd like to do is teach them how to design. So it's idea, rather than giving them a fish, teach them how that kind of thinking. So you can run permaculture design courses. You can give people books where the idea is, well, I'll teach you to do your own design. And one aspect of that I realized is that that tends to be fairly generic. You know, it's like if I was teaching design on a little, on a two-day course or a permaculture design course, there's only a degree to which I'm going to customize what I actually teach, but really the participants are, are somewhat interchangeable. Um, and then I thought, well, that, there's a, a broader layer there as well that includes all these things. You can still be giving people simple stuff and complex stuff and teaching them design. And you came to mind there with your stuff around permaculture coaching or permaculturing where you become more of a mentor in design in design process over time. And so you're, you're working with people and you're support, consciously supporting them to evolve their own capacity as, as their own designers. And in a sense, you're moving from giving them fish to teaching them how to fish to teaching them how to think about fish in a participatory yeah. way where you're all kind of working forward together. And, and I was realizing, all oh, right, is that you know, anyway, I, I want to crash test that with, with you, the idea that these are, and I'll draw a picture and put it in the show notes, but they're kind of nested levels or layers, and there may be more or less or, we might, you know, but what do you, what do you, what do you think, what's your first take on that? Okay, my, my first take on that is you've gone all linear on me again, and what we really need to do is to, is to put those into a network and connect them all up to each other. So, for example, um, let's start with coaching. 
when we get a phone call saying, can someone come out and coach me on my property? We might um, be asked, how do I, you know, where should I put a chicken coop and how big should it be and where do I need to put chickens, which is your simple stuff. Or um, I've heard about swales and I think I want to put one here. Is this where I should put a swale? So sometimes people just want advice about a particular thing. Sometimes people say to us, look, can you just walk around and, and help me get an idea of, you know, how to divide this property up into different areas and what should go where. So now we're talking about the the more complex stuff around your connective tissue. Some people, um, what often happens following a consult is they want to come and do one of our courses. So it's really common for people to end up either coming and doing our fundamentals or actually signing on to do the PDC. So now they're learning how to design. And that's usually because as a consequence of us engaging with them at the coaching level, they've just become a lot more interested in designing, beyond, usually beyond their own property. So typically we get people on the course who aren't just interested in doing that home design. I love the way all of these interact with each other and I think it's a, it's a bit like that notion of everybody's at their own place on the Buddhist path towards enlightenment, that people are at different places when it comes to where they're at with permaculture. There's a real, there's a real danger with people just doing permaculture courses and I'm sure you've seen the same thing, Dan, that people go away, they do a permaculture, they do like a PDC, uh, they go back onto their property with the design that they did and they start to implement it and they make really obvious mistakes to someone who's an experienced designer. I would defy anybody to teach someone design in two weeks, whether you do that part-time or full-time. We prefer part-time because they have a lot more learning time in between. So they can go away and at every stage we've actually got them putting their material on the table. So they're comparing the sector analysis and they're comparing the site analysis. So it's a step-by-step -step process where they're all learning from each other in terms of what's working and what isn't. It's also great for me because I keep they keep finding these awesome resources that I've never seen before. So they go away and, they you know, someone found a thing for you can bring up your home and this thing projects shadows and you can, you know, it's got a little slider at the bottom and you can pick the time of day and all this kind of stuff. So they find these really cool resources. But I don't think any of the people that did the, two, that, that did the PDC would be calling themselves designers. I mean, we run an advanced stream and the advanced stream is for people who they must have implemented a, a permaculture system at, at their own property and they must have been, so they must have been practising permaculture for a period of time and they do three designs and they teach some of the content and they mentor someone during the, during the course. So those people, I think, are baby designers and they're heading out now as permacoaches and helping other people design. But they've also got me as backup. So if they've got something that, that's bamboozling them, they can come back to me and we can bounce ideas off the wall and, you know, problem solve and all that kind of stuff. So I think that kind, of, that kind of approach to it is more how I see it. I think as designers, we need that degree of flexibility. It's, it's frustrating when someone wants the little stuff, though, when someone goes, I just want to swell. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but at the same time, it's like, you know, that's the place where the conversation can start. Right? So, well, exactly. no, what you need is to, you know, we need to start a, a multi-year. And I've never had anyone stop with the simple thing. You know, you come on and you do the simple thing. And while you're doing the simple thing, you're talking to them about permaculture and about it being a whole system. And so, of course, they want you to 
to come back. It's the same with, I, I mean, I get Beck's point about the designing and, you know, I use the example of, um, I think last time we spoke, I mentioned that when I used to do the, you know, the beautiful watercolour designs for people and apart from the problem of them wanting to just hang them on the wall and not actually do anything, um, they'd go and talk to the guy at Bunnings who'd tell them that everybody's putting in dark pavers this year, love. We're not doing, no one's doing pale pavers. You want dark, you want charcoal pavers because they don't understand the thermodynamics and the impact that that's going to have on the design. So that's the other risk with designs is if there's not that coaching component to seeing the thing implemented, that people make rookie mistakes. So, yeah, I, I do see all of those as being elements of what we do as designers. I think you're onto something. Tell me again, I'm curious, yeah, just in developing this, and I'll, I'll share in a second, just listening to you speak of there's been two potentially useful layers I've added to this. And yeah, and as you're speaking, it's, it does seem to me to be a useful way for me to understand the, the different things you're saying. But the first question was you talked about it obviously landed as going linear on you. I wasn't quite yeah. sure what you meant by that. So you, you've actually gone, you know, here's level one, here's level two, here's level three, here's level four, instead of here are four things that are all interconnected in different ways. Oh, okay, well, let's explore that, Meg, because I think that's that's really interesting. So one thing I've been exploring is, I guess there's a distinction here between, yeah, you've got all these things in there, call them nodes, and there's connections between them. One thing there is that if you look at it, you see a diagram, let's say, you've got a bunch of points and then a bunch of connections, is that the points all appear to be at the same level, right? And one thing I'm exploring here Sorry, is... Sorry, I missed that. Sorry, they're all to be at the same level? What? Yeah, yeah. What do you mean? Oh, well, let's say you've got a... If I was to draw you know, I was to draw a sketch of this, I'd have give people a simple idea, give them a complex idea, teach them design and so on. You know, I could have a circle around each one and then I could have lines showing that you go from one to the other. At a glance, it's like you've, well, you've, you know, you've got all these units, all these nodes or elements that are at the same, so they appear to be at the same level and you've got different connections and directions that you can travel from one to the other. Well, they don't have to be. You could, for example, based on your own experience as a designer, you could make those nodes uh, larger or smaller depending upon how much of your time you tend to commit to them, for example. Or you could put the whole thing onto a pie chart or, you know, there's lots of different ways visually to communicate that information. They're not necessarily all equal. Mm. They're, all in, they're all interconnected. Um, when I teach patterns, I talk about the difference between the major patterns in nature and human-created patterns. And one of the human-created patterns that I believe limits our thinking and our designing capability is this beginning, middle, end um, and hierarchies. And they're, they're human-created. They, you know, we draw these ecological pyramids with things at the top and things at the bottom. But, of course, nature doesn't do that. Nature sends everything around and around and around. It's a style of thinking very typical to the way human beings structure knowledge. So we often learn by going, here's the bottom layer, here's the next layer, here's the next layer. And it's useful. Hierarchies are very useful. But they're also very limiting because they give things... They give things status and where that's worthwhile. So where the, have you seen the pyramid of wisdom? I've done the pyramid of wisdom, which is now my teaching agenda. So the pyramid of wisdom is you really need this before you can go any further. So you must understand your ethics before you can learn your principles and you must learn those before you learn design. And you must, I believe, understand design before you start looking at tools and strategies, which is why I've got the, the flying herb spiral of ignorance on it. 
because the flying herb spiral of ignorance represents that grabbing for a strategy and sticking it in an inappropriate location because you don't understand design theory. So you put in a design, you put in a herb spiral and go, oh, there we go, permaculture, look, it's herb spiral. <laughs> I'd love to, to, I think we can get to an interesting place here. So the distinction I have in my mind is between the idea of a hierarchy or of levels in a hierarchical sense and this idea of nested holes or nested wholeness. So in the sense that a cell is inside an organ is inside a body is inside an organism is inside a... Yeah. Which is still a hierarchy because they can't survive without each other. So there's an interdependence when you, when you nest like that. You know, the cell, the cell taken outside the body is, is no longer. It's, it's now dead. Yeah, so it's, it's a style of, I mean, they, Arthur Kostler called it a holarchy, this idea of holes within holes. Um, but the way, the way I think of that, I, I don't see that as linear. Like I, and I, I don't see that as a necessarily a human projection. Like I find it a useful, you know, it's like, yeah, I can see that a cell is part of an organ, is part of an organism and so on. And with this framework I'm playing around with, and part of it is just that reality that some things are inside others. So, for example, yeah. suggesting a swale or a herb spiral or whatever it is, Let's say, let's say the suggestion of something that is appropriate is something that would sit within a design process. Let's say, you know, it's not the other way around. The whole design process doesn't sit within the suggestion of the swale, let's say. Or does it? You think it does? Well, certainly we've already agreed that the swale might be the starting point for a design. And you and I know that if we're called onto a property and asked to locate a swale, we're immediately going to do a really quick mud map in our heads of the mm. site. Yeah. And we're going to be looking at slope and we're going to be looking at aspect and we're going to be thinking about rainfall. And we're not going to just whack a swale in because they wanted one. We're going to locate it well. So even though from the client's perspective, they've just asked for a swale, we've definitely placed it within the context of a design. When people don't do that, you're not doing permaculture. You know, if you're just whacking in a swale or bunging in a herb spiral or putting in a mandala garden because you saw it on a nice YouTube video, that's, you're not practising permaculture because it needs to reflect the goals, the ethics, the principles and the design process of permaculture in order to qualify. It's not, not about these disparate elements. And I agree with you, those things will always sit, even if the client doesn't appreciate that nesting within design process. The design process is still there. Otherwise, mm. you don't have a swell, you've got an open drain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. So in that case, you, know, the, the, you might still construe, construe the conversation around what we're talking about is the, gosh, I don't usually say, say the word swell so much. But, you know, we, we, <laughs> what you're saying is you, you would nest that within a more encompassing, more inclusive design process. even oh, if. Yeah. You yes. know, if, if, if someone called you out and said, Dan, look, I don't want the full design oh, yeah, service. Sure. Yeah. I just want a swale. Yeah. And you would go onto that site and even if the swale was the only thing you did, it would be on contour, it would be at the right place on the slope, it would be all of those other things. Now, the client didn't do that. The client didn't put it in the right location and put it on contour and without you they might have put it in completely the wrong location. Mm-hmm. So you... You never divorce the element from the design. Yeah, so, so we, I think we're on the same page there that that more detailed focus would be nested within a more inclusive yes. process that would also include other more detailed things. One thing that I'll just share the two things that came out. So I, th- I think we're, if it sounds like from what I'm hearing, particularly certainly the way you work, it's honouring where you're invited in at whatever level of specificity that is, but engaging in a way that's like heading out into the more inclusive whole. And one thing that came up for me was 
doing that consciously. So yeah, sure, we can talk about this thing or that thing you saw in the permaculture book, but I'm going to ask some questions that Yay. take it up a level to, all right, so yeah, that, that would be one thing you could do if, if, if you tuned into the land or you know, start the design process conversation, which might lead to the possibility of supporting them by giving them a design, which then leads to the possibility of you could learn, guess what, you could learn to design yourself, mm. um, which could lead to the possibility of we could partner over time for me to support you to develop your own design skills. So the idea of engaging at each level of nestedness or whatever you want to call it, layer, uh, maybe level's the wrong word, in a way that is looking to expand the conversation, but not too much and not too fast. And then the other thing that landed for me as you were talking is the potential of a fifth kind of encompassing whole. Because I often get to a point with people where I'm effectively some kind of process steward or mentor, and you, you obviously yeah. do the same thing. But early on, you talked about one of the things you've been enjoying lately is that a lot of the people that you're working with, they start to form a local community together. And I thought, wow, that's like another layer is that you actually form a community of practice in your area, supporting each other to co-evolve your design process ability. And that's exciting. This is, my, this is my secret plan for saving the planet. The whole goal for me is things are a bit of a mess. I can't do much about the major political issues confronting us. Um, what can I do? You know, I don't want to sit in the corner and cry and sit on Facebook and post abusive comments to people about things. Um, that's not productive. What skills do I have? What difference can I make? I'm at the pointy end of my 50s. I'm heading into my 60s in the next couple of years. So I'm time limited and I'm resource limited and all of those sorts of things. So it's about applying the permaculture principles to myself. What's the most energy efficient thing that I can do in terms of helping to save the planet? And as far as I'm concerned, that's teaching permaculture to as many people as I possibly can, contributing the resources I'm creating and the things that I'm thinking about into the broader permaculture community so that if they help other people to spread permaculture, that that material is available to them and really getting people to the stage where they understand this master pattern. Because once you understand the pattern, you can take the pattern and you can, you can keep replicating it and you won't get permaculture wrong. So it's really important for me for people to have that strong sense of I get how I understand why that is permaculture and that isn't permaculture. And I think that's really important. So the idea of, you know, finding lots of different ways in. So I also um, admin a community Facebook page and whether they like it or not, they get permaculture content. <laughs> So it's a page for things like Lost Dogs and The Power's Out and We Hate Our NBN and all the usual, there's something on at the local hall and there's a fair bit of permaculture on there. So as a consequence, we've, got, we've now got more people locally who want to do training and who are asking questions and who, instead of pile burning, are putting hugel culture in and, you know, that you're just seeding it in there all the time so that... And, and that is, that's like the thing in bush regeneration where you grab a big handful of seeds and you toss them into the bush. It's a lot less effort than planting trees. It's a lot less reliable. But one day you turn around and suddenly there's all these great results. It's the same with the produce share. You know, the produce share is, about, is not about vegetables. The produce share is about changing culture. You know, give generously with no expectation of return. That's radical stuff in this community. Just, oh, I've got more than I need. Why don't I give it away to somebody else? That's, that's revolution, Dan, in a community like this where a lot of my neighbours are very wealthy people who guard their wealth with great big security gates. You know, to have them come along and just give stuff away. And, of course, 
that spreads. So now when people have something they don't need, they put it up on the community page and say, hey, I've got this thing I don't need, who wants it? And that keeps it out of landfill. Yeah, yeah. The, yes, kind of seeding and, and supporting the growth of a, of a community that can then... So this is a soft systems approach. The, the goal is I want to see more permaculture on the ground. That's my goal. You know, more people practising permaculture, more people living it, more people understanding it. How do I do that? Well, I don't have a carefully written strategic plan. I have a soft systems approach to it, which is I have a clear understanding of what it is I want to achieve and I'm looking for opportunities in the same way that I look for microclimates on a site. So the opportunity came up to take over the community page. I put my hand up. Someone else went to the convergence with me and on the way home said, why don't we start a produce swap? And I said, let's see if we can redesign that so that it's not a swap, it's a share. It's something more aligned to permaculture. So who knows, Dan, what I'll be doing next week? Someone knocks on the door and, well, uh, one of the things that's happening now is that I listen to Romora's podcast about the work she's doing in staging camps and refugee camps. And she mentioned that she's got no language resources mm -hmm. and that the cost of translation is very expensive. So now I've been in touch with permaculture australia saying why don't we have a portal on the permaculture australia site for resources permaculture resources in other languages which would then give more people a reason to join permaculture australia and provide more teaching resources and support row mm -hmm. and help people in australia from a non-english speaking background see i'm stacking functions dan look at me go look at me go you're unstoppable <laughs> it's cool it's cool i'm enjoying just i'm enjoying soaking it up and, and, and getting to know you better and and how you're working and I, I like how you'll engage with people and like you're saying you, you have the, a clear and high level intention and you'll engage in all different ways whether it's talking about someone's lost dog or whatever it is yep. but in a sense you're, you're scanning there to finding those what carol would call the nodal intervention points where can i ask a question or make a suggestion that maybe bumps the conversation up to all oh, right you know where, well, do you grow any of your own food or whatever and then from there yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, Bill, Bill Mollison has a principle directly about you want to use the least amount of effort for the greatest return and in systems thinking that's called leverage, which is a much easier way to explain it. You know, leverage is um, I had this great uh, teacher when I was in fifth class and he took us all outside and he actually got the plank and he got the fulcrum and then we did all these experiments moving it backwards and forwards and different kids standing on one end and different kids standing on the other until he got the lightest kid in the class to, to lift the heaviest kid in the class. Apart from being just a wonderful object lesson in effective teaching, <laughs> just compared to explaining leverage, the whole idea of it has it made such a striking impression upon me that it's to this day one of those absolute uh, underneath everything you do. You know, if you're gonna, if you've only got so much energy, you've only got so much life, you've only got so many waking hours and so much energy. If you're going to spend it, use leverage. Use leverage to maximise your yield. What are you going to get out of your life? What are you going to do? And to me, part of the appeal of permaculture was, look, here's a pattern that people can understand relatively simply that has a huge impact on their behaviour and a huge impact on the planet if you can get people living this stuff. And, and it's not about following people around saying you have to get rid of your single-use plastic bags this week or you have to get rid of your drinking straws next week or you have to recycle your mobile phones. It's not those single-issue campaigns. It's actually a pattern for a way of living that once people understand it, 
they'll start making their own decisions about how much plastic's coming into their house and, and what kind of phone they're using without you having to follow them around and wag your finger at them. Mm-hmm. Hey, let me, let me give, give you another framework or a few, few layers here. I've been following up with like the Carol piece and like this, this comes from her. But I found it quite useful. And one thing, she contrasted a few different layers. And one of them was this idea of scale. We've got something good, let's scale it. And you can take that approach to permaculture. Let's scale it up. Let's, how do we do that? We uh, call it orders of magnitude, don't we? Isn't that what we call it? I guess so. Incre- let's increase the magnitude of this. Then for her, that has its place. And that, that sits nested within this idea of leverage. And of course, with leverage, the idea is that you organize the way you invest energy in such a way to have the greatest impact. Because leverage, come, it's a mechanical idea. It's how can you yeah. efficiently use the idea of a fulcrum and a, and a lever in, in, an, in an efficient way. Like it was Archimedes or one of those Greek dudes that used the screw to move a ship. Anyway, she talks about nodal intervention using the, the metaphor of um, acupuncture, where like the actual amount of energy it takes to push the needle in is you know nothing. virtually nothing but if it happens in the right place in the right way with the right whatever details the idea is that it can shift catalyze a phase shift in the whole system where there's no relation really at all between the amount of energy and so the scale the scope and scale there is um is a whole different thing from from leverage and i've, I've been noticing instances of that in my own experience and how exciting that is where it's it kind of wants to happen all you've got to do is just say a word or you know whatever fire off a post or what you know and then boom, all these shifts happen with, and they're self-energizing. You've just helped kind of tip it over the edge. Yeah, what do you make of that? To me, a lot of what you're doing aspires to or actually sits in that node. It's beyond leverage. Yeah, it, it's really interesting to me. I mean, I'm, uh, my background's policing. I, I like science. I like evidence. Um, I like uh, to see proof of things. And yet my husband will tell you that I can make things happen with my mind. So... <laughs> So I will say something out loud and within a fairly proximate amount of time, the thing will happen. And that's anything, I mean, you know, sometimes that's something quite random, like saying, gee, that intersection needs a stop sign and a week later there's a stop sign. (laughs) But sometimes it is, you know, quite bizarrely when I took up uh, botanical art, uh, one of the world's most famous botanical artists um, suddenly turned up in my life and became a good friend, just out of nowhere. And that kind of thing tends to happen that, you know, when I develop an interest in things or when I start to become active in an area, you know, I've, I've since cancer gone back to becoming a lot more focused on permaculture and people like Dan Palmer contact me and want to have conversations with me. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, and, you know, um, waiting on a call from Rosemary Morrow, you know, that's just nuts. That's to me. That's just, but it's the, it's a thing that happens, that I start investing energy in something and all these amazing people turn up who are interested and who want to have conversations and who want to throw ideas around. And that's just how things work. So maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a node, Dan. Oh, maybe. I don't think there's any, yeah, that's right. You are the node. So you're, yeah, you're, maybe, maybe I'm a node. Maybe that's, like and, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. And when she was saying that, I really liked the idea. I mean, mine is uh, mycorrhizal fungi. So, you know, my model is the, the difficulty with the permaculture analogy is you're going to hit people who don't believe in, uh, sorry, the acupuncture analogy, too many punctures. Um, the difficulty with the acupuncture analogy is you're going to hit people who say, well, acupuncture is nonsense because the science on it is still a bit wobbly. 
putting that aside, uh, the concept is a great one that, you know, just find a little tiny point and by putting yeah, just the right... Course, I mean, you could use a thousand yeah. things, like, you know... Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I like mycorrhizal fungi, which says, you know, build networks like crazy and networks then are not dependent upon you. So ultimately, I want to build a network that when I die, um, that's inconsequential to that network. So you don't want to be this critical person who's famous in the permaculture world whose death is missed by thousands. You want to be quietly ticking away in your own little corner and helping other people to learn how to do what you're doing so that it becomes this self-replicating pattern where it spreads. I mean, the, one of the next things I want to work on is this idea of um, learning circles in permaculture. So a lot, of, a lot of areas have got a permaculture group and they operate for the most, they appear to operate for the most part upon fairly traditional lines and they have a president and a secretary and a treasurer and they have a monthly meeting and they have a guest speaker and they do tours and some of them do seed banks and some of them do swaps. But if you're somebody who, and if you're someone who's well on the path to permaculture, that's a really great place to go and hang out. But if you're just new to permaculture and you're still trying to get your head around it, you're not going to learn a whole lot there. So finding a way where people can learn together. And I'm playing around with um, Delvin Sorkinson's cards at the moment and seeing if they'd be a good vehicle for setting up learning circles. But I've been too busy with PDCs and fundamentals courses to actually kick one off. But the idea is to find a local cafe, get a group of people together, give them a box of cards, you know, pull one out and start talking about it and see what happens. Great. Three things. I want to say three things. One is um, shout out to Delvin and his cards. He sent me a, comp a free copy, um, which we have oh. at the Warehouse, which is lovely. Good. I bought three. Last year, and he's he's great. He's he's been um, following making permaculture stronger and, and really supportive, enthusiastic. Um, second thing was I, with I think just to just to the acupuncture thing. Someone might say, well, there's no scientific proof for acupuncture. Use whatever example you want. You know, you've got yeah, some health yeah, issue, yeah. and it turns if you just need a trace element or this, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and that and vitamin that D. Vitamin D is a great one. You know, vitamin yeah, you go in the sun, and then the whole system self energizes. It's 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 phase changer. It's it's moved towards health healthfulness. Third thing, you mentioned your husband, and I had a note about mentioning your husband because what is what's his name? Graham. Graham. I met Graham a few months back. He he came along to a permaculture design course, and he came up and said hi. I I, I was a blow in. I did a two hour session on permaculture design process, and um, I I thought it was just hard case. I was like ah. So what? Uh, and I, I, so what? Did you send them off to a PDC, or did he sneak? Oh, no, 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 some, no, not some, at all. Some, um, get another opinion, or what happened there? No, uh, there's a. It's often a misconception that strong, intelligent women are married to men that get bossed around. But in fact, strong, intelligent women wouldn't be that stupid. We marry really smart men um, <laughs> who have their own mind. <laughs> it, it would be foolish to to not be in a relationship with someone who is intellectually your equal and just as challenging. Uh, Graham and I met 17 years ago and the rest, as they say, is history. So uh, in spite of my reservations about entering into marriage again, he talked me around. Uh, turns out he was right and I was wrong. It was a very good idea. And, of course, part of marrying me means you marry permaculture and he's been reading the books and learning about it and doing all that kind of stuff. And it only, it came up actually in one of our fundamentals courses where, you know, somebody actually said to him, "And have you ever done a PDC? And he said, look, I haven't. And actually, I probably should. 
because you know there's there's a thing when it's your spouse that I, I mean he's never done my PDC and he actually said you know maybe I should just enroll in yours and I said look I you know what I think it's a really great opportunity to go away and do someone else's and then you know you say things out to the universe and they happen uh, two days later the ad for David Holmgren's PDC turned up and I said to Gray, look, if you're going to do a PDC, <laughs> could there be a better one to do than David Holmgren's? Why don't you go off to Victoria? And, and, and he was really excited to go and do it. He actually left during the middle of our PDC to go and do that PDC. And, you know, there's, there's a bit of, um, a bit of it is please go and have a look at what best practice is and bring that back so that we can be teaching as well as David Holmgren's teaching. Um, but it was also just that having never done one, he really wanted that experience. He loved it, absolutely loved it. And you, you know what it's like, Dan. I think in permaculture, if you could do a PDC every couple of years, that would be ideal just to re-energise yourself and meet another great bunch of people who are right into designing and, you know, they're, they're huge fun. And he also came home convinced that we need a composting toilet, for which I'm eternally grateful because that's been a, a conversation we've had a number of times and he's come home and said, ah, oh, okay, yes, we do need one. So that's, uh, Graham's actually outside today. We've, we've just come into some donated timber. So he's outside measuring up where he's going to put the composting toilet. So. I was going to say, oh, good to hear. He's actually building the compost toilet as we speak. He is, as we speak. Could he be more permaculture? Well, that is great. That is great to hear. Great to hear. All right. Well, you know, I, I'm feeling very grateful, please. I think, I think that was wonderful. I, I quite, I like, I like the fact, I mean, I don't, I didn't necessarily like it at the time, to be honest, that you're, you're not a pushover, that I can't just tell you ideas and you say, great, Dan, what's new? <laughs> you know, as a result of that, it's been great. Did, to... you just get that, did you only just get that about me, that I'm not a pushover? <laughs> when you first said, it sounds linear to me, I was like, I don't, I don't like being told this thing's linear. I don't think it's linear. <laughs> but it was great to, it was great to share it with you for the first time and, and to have your help to develop it like it's got different sort of aspects at both ends layers or levels whatever what do you want to call them and that idea of acknowledging where a conversation wants to happen and being able to consciously participate in a way that looks at the possibility of bumping it up and, and you could even bring in potentially the idea of a nodal intervention there in the form of a question or a suggestion or whatever it is so i'm going to, I'm going to write it up i'm going to draw a little diagram and, and get others opinion. Yeah, yeah but it's also that thing about you know one of the important things in designing for me is that it is this collaborative process mm. and whether I'm designing training or resources or you know there's some stuff where you're playing around the edges and you can just produce something but it's always going to be better if you get someone else involved it's always going to strengthen your design if you've got different perspectives I mean the, the risk there is you can get overwhelmed you can you can just have too much busyness going on and you do get people who are just contrary who are just going to say, no, that's a bad idea just for the for the sake of it. I mean, these people who say, well, I'll play devil's advocate if I may, but they never pause for you to say, no, please don't play devil's advocate. <laughs> just, just stop. So I think, yeah, the anytime we're designing anything, it's it's you know, it's good fun. I should do the same one day, Dan. I should ring you up and say, let's do a Zoom. I want to show you a, a new resource I've put together and you can give me, you can tell me what's wrong with it. <laughs> oh yeah, look forward to it. It'll be, be, be my pleasure. Um, well, what, I'll tell you what I think of it, whatever that turns out to be, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks, Big. This has been brilliant. It's thank you for your beautiful energy and just yeah, how how closely you're holding this conversation and it, is, it inspires me. Like all, all the all the different work you're doing in such a grounded way, 
in such a humble way on so many levels. And I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's feeling inspired by that. And, and I'm, Thanks, I'm, yeah, I'm, thank you. It's great. It's great to get. The feeling's mutual. You know, the, the reach of what you're doing, it must be hard to determine. You know, it's a, it's a brave thing to just put yourself out there on the airwaves where anybody at all can, can listen in. But certainly from my perspective, it's hugely valuable to have access to the kinds of people that you've been able to bring on and, and talk to. And it greatly informs the quality of the work I'm doing to be able to hear some of these I mean, they're world leaders in systems thinking, some of these people. They're just hugely interesting and it's very valuable to have access to them. So thank you very much. It's just great. Mm, I think perceived and th thanks for saying that. And each time someone says something like that, it, it helps fill up to keep the tank full, you know, to, to keep mm. things sort of have it has its own momentum now and occasionally I think, oh gosh, you know, <laughs> well, you know, I, I I'm conscious that I could just stop anytime I want, you know, and yeah. I'm just not, I don't want to just assume it's a good idea to keep going because it may not be. But for the moment, it does feel like it's, you know, I'm getting enough out of it. It's, it's feeding a need that I have and to hear that it's um, serving other people and providing some valuable stuff is cool, really great. Well, it makes you, part of, makes you part of my nodal network and me part of yours. Yes. But it also, but it also serves to, because you're utilising the technology, it also serves to inform all of these other nodal networks in all sorts of other places. You know, it's, can I tell you, it's now become a pretty regular thing for people to say to me, I heard your podcast. Like that's a thing. Yeah, last chat or yeah. one of whatever. People were, I've done two podcasts. I've done one with you and one with Rich, uh -huh. with Rich Bowden. And that's the only two podcasts. This is my third podcast, Dan, wow. in my entire life. Well, send me the link to the other one and I'll, I'll put that in the show notes as well, the one with Rich. Sure, sure. I'll have to go and hunt it now. But, but it's, it's become like a pretty regular thing now mm -hmm. for me to meet. I mean, I had a thing happen at the local cafe recently. The woman who runs the, the cafe heard this table of people say the word permaculture and she said, and I'm quoting, oh, the queen of permaculture's here. She's over there at that table and comes and gets me. Oh, oh and sorry, their response is not Meg McGowan. And, I, and she comes and gets me and says, they're talking about permaculture over there and they know who you are. And I'm thinking, how do they know who I am? So I come over to the table and three people at the table go, oh, we loved your podcast. I said, oh, really? Which? And, you, you know, you, you're trying not to sound pretentious and you say, oh, really, which one? There's <laughs> 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 two of them. So I often don't. I often just go, oh, great, thanks. Um, but in this particular case, I said, oh, when uh, I, I actually said, so is that the one with Dan Palmer? And they went, yeah, Dan Palmer, Making Permaculture Stronger. What a great podcast. I said, yeah, I agree. He does really good work. <laughs> and I felt really honoured to be included as one of the people that he talks to. So it's, you're, you're getting out there, Dan. You know, these are, these are people who are putting a festival together about loving the earth. That's mm, their, wow. They're not in permaculture, but they want to have a permaculture component in this festival. And they've, they're, they're listening to your podcast. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it, I have a thing that tells me how many people listen and it's it's getting up to 2,000 listens wow. per episode. So in like it's coming up to 30,000 listens overall. So it's, yeah, it's like it's not it's not going into thin air, which is, which is good. No, that's exciting. Yeah. And actually I've got a, in, in, at four-ish in, in 20 minutes or so, I've teed up my first podcast with someone who's outside of the US, Australia and Germany, 
which is with my my friend colleague Charles over in Uganda. So that'll be exciting to to oh, catch up with him and hear what all the cool stuff he's up to. Really, I'd love to reach out and if anyone's listening, you know, from around the world, I'm thinking it'd be lovely to bring in more flavors. So interesting. Not sort of so, by accident yeah. have it biased to a limited region. Yeah. Okay, Meg. Well, I should I should get ready for Giles's um, session. Okay, I'll mate. Great, to- great talking to you again. Wow, well, a chat and a, an incredible experience for me you know without wanting to sound too dramatic the experience of uh having this conversation with meg and um it being informed by some learnings from carol sand all that stuff the whole thing it will go down in history well in my own world it'll be something i remember sometime i hope you've gotten something out of it i've actually as i record this outro i've already recorded a conversation well both with charles um, our conversation about his approach to participatory design and communities in uganda and across east africa uh, i've also recorded a fantastic conversation with jason gerhardt for this, my second conversation with jason where we ended up dipping back into the same framework and, and evolving it further so i'm very excited about that i will Put a version of where this is up to in the show notes. I'm uh, excited to be in conversation with uh, Ava Mallet, who is in Scotland. She's a graphic designer with a little spare time on her hands, so she's talking about helping me come up with ways of portraying this framework diagrammatically. Anyone else has got any ideas about that, please chime in or just send through a, a diagram. You can track down Meg. Um, it's smarterthancrows.wordpress.com smarter than crows one word you can catch up with the latest and greatest developments at making permaculturestronger.net i think i mentioned the new website i've just launched in the last few days uh, which is designingforlife.com thank you for listening i'm excited where this is all seems to be taking itself what seems to be unfolding emerging being birthed so to speak here and uh, i'll catch you in episode 25 Thank you.